Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, we're back in studio. We brought the nice weather back from Clearwater. That was good, right? I like good weather. Yeah, you definitely do. Yeah. Do you miss Clearwater? How could you not? I mean, I mean, think about it. All you're hearing all day long is the crack of the bat, coaches talking, baseball being played, good weather. I don't know. I, I don't know why anybody doesn't go to spring training. It was definitely a fun experience yeah. there. The, the Phillies uh, treated us great. Shout out to their PR staff for all their help. We'll, uh, we'll have more es- interviews. Especially considering what ended up happening. Yeah, we showed up in the middle of a circus, didn't we? Yeah, so Bryce Harper rudely decided that he was going to play his first game while we had already planned our shows. Do you think that's why somebody threw at him today in the Toronto game? Oh, man. How many people in the Delaware Valley... Like got that alert on their phone that Bryce Harper got thrown at and got hit in the ankle and just their heart stopped. <laughs> like, well, oh. you heard what he said in the studio. Everybody look out the window and see if the sky is falling. Apparently, Kapler's not too worried he'll about it. He'll be fine. Just a contusion, they think. He'll, he'll get checked fine. for x-rays. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you were in your element down there because it was all the minor leaguers, and that's you get all excited and get butterflies. When you oh, you that. do too. I do. I mean, I mean look, th- th- this is... This is our bread and butter as far as uh, the the guys are great to talk to. The coaches are great to talk to. The entire staff. And by the way, I don't know about you, but you know our interview with Josh Bonifay, he's very impressive. He is. It was fun to talk to him. It, it was fun to talk to Pedro Gomez. It was a good time talking to David Parkinson. That's everything that our listeners heard from last week's show that we, we did down there. Uh, for next week's show, we'll have director of publicity and director of promotions on. Um, talk we, about some of the giveaways. Yep, we got we got we talked to lots of players. We'll have interviews as the beginning of the season rolls in. As we get into our high hopes, yep, show and, we're, to, and we're only two weeks away from uh, baseball season. We, we but but we are already into golf season. We are into golf season. Tell me what you're ready to talk about. So today. so rumor has it we probably have right now Ali Horowitz on the phone. Ollie, how you doing? Rumor has it wrong. Apparently, we don't have him on the line. Hello, hello. There we go. There we go. How you doing? Happy to be here. Thanks for uh, inviting me on, guys. It's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming back and joining us again. Uh, This this must be a fun time of year for you. It's great. I mean, it's uh, it's always fun when the Players' Championship is on. Uh, A little early this year, obviously, but I'm getting getting really excited for the Masters and. yeah, it's just it's getting finally a little warmer in New York today. All right, so so we got we got a couple questions. If if you had a chance to watch it all today, uh, Tiger had um, problems on the seventeenth hole at Sawgrass, which is which is that dreaded uh, island green. Have you ever played that island green? I have hit a shot into that island green. Did you make? Did it make it? <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah. How well, satisfying Justin, is it to make it onto that it green? Was, um, I think it was Justin Rose who had like the amazing quote. He said, uh, "It's the easiest hole we play Monday to Wednesday." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when that pressure is on. Thursday onwards, it is the scariest tee shot that we have the whole the whole season. So, and Tiger really showed why today. Isn't that crazy? So, as a caddy, uh, do you just stand back and hope to stay out of the way when that happens to a golfer that you're working with? 
I mean, it's interesting because I, I know a couple caddies down at TBC and uh, Sawgrass, and I was like, hey, when do uh, when do you first get your guys asking about that, that tee shot on 17? And they go, yeah, usually on the first hole. <laughs> <laughs> They're paying close attention to it the but, whole time. But what happens, uh, just in general, you're on a, you're, you're a caddy on one of those holes, and, and somebody comes up. Do you give them the recommendation for the iron? Do you want to be responsible for when that ball goes over or short of that Highland Green? I think you have to because it's just such a uh, it's such a tough tee shot. You have to be uh, you have to project some confidence to your golfer. Um, you know, like it's it's tough because we we saw this in the telecast today a little bit. The uh, the wind speed up in the air is a lot higher than what they're feeling down at the tee box. So the the veterans are looking at those those flags up on the left uh, on the sort of tent. Um, but we have some of that stuff on the old course in St. Andrews too. Uh, on the 11th hole, which is the second par three on the old course, again, very tight uh, Sunday pin up on the back with like a foot or two behind, and then you go down into this crazy swale. So that's equivalent of 17 at Sawgrass. And uh, they have a huge grandstand up at 11, and that blocks the wind, and it's the veterans that know enough to go ahead, walk up about 40 yards, and actually see what the wind is doing on the other side of that grandstand. So the wind can be really deceptive in the old course, just like it can be at TPC Sawgrass. So if, if, somebody, if somebody screws up, what's the worst reaction you've ever had from a golfer blaming you for something that didn't work out for them? Man, I'd like to say it's never happened, but it has definitely <laughs> happened. <laughs> I had a guy once who was questioning everything on the old course, uh, lines up, tees, putt reads. And on the second hole, we had a, about a 12-foot putt. I thought I was going to move a little bit left to right, so I call it inside left, inside you know, the left edge of the cup. He pulls the hell out of the ball, and it finishes a foot and a half left, and he turns around and he screams at me. He goes, that move left, that move left. And this old Scottish caddy comes up behind us and goes, sir, that putt hasn't moved left in 600 years. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I got a big brother in the shack. That feels great. <laughs> There's a lot of people who have to, uh, it's easier to blame you than themselves for shanking the shot. I can. Oh, imagine. it's always the caddy's fault. That's the unfortunate part of our job is uh, we're the easiest person to blame. I, I, don't, I can't tell you how many times I've heard, you sure that was the right mileage? So you is know, that... Uh, uh, is yeah. that why yeah, you, was. <laughs> you decided to take your own route to try and play in the Masters and play in the Mongolian National Open this past August because you wanted to start blaming somebody else for your shots? Is that what's yeah, going on Yeah, I felt like here? that was maybe my best route into Augusta was through Mongolia because I realized that um, there's this thing called the Mongolian National Open. It's in Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, every year. I'm so glad you said uh, that name. All Thank of the you. listeners can literally sign up and play in it uh, August 2nd to 5th of 2019. And uh, if you are the let's what's the exact what's the exact fact if you're the low amateur and you have an uh, a sub five point four handicap you then qualify to go to this year it was in um, Sentosa Golf Club in Singapore you can then play in the amateur championship. And if you win that, you get into Augusta. So via Mongolia is probably the most out-of-the-way route you could take. <laughs> How did you figure that out? <laughs> you know, it was uh, – I was always interested in Mongolia anyway because I love, I love going to out-of-the-way places that, you know, I've never been to and no one in my family has been to. And then when I heard that they have a, a pretty thriving golf scene with the Mongolian Golf Association and 200 really obsessed Mongolian golfers – 
And then I found out about the Mongolian National Open. I thought, all right, this is this is a national open I can actually play in. It's open to me. <laughs> I think I'm the first Jewish competitor in the Mongolian National Open. I got to do this. There you go. So you, I, uh, wait, wait, you said you my flight, and then I convinced my friend Michael Altabella, who's a professional photographer and also a big golf addict like myself. He came over, and the two of us were, you know, 30 hours later, we're standing on the first tee of the Mongolian National Open. 30 hours later. Now, now you just mentioned that you're that you like to go places that your family members haven't gone. That was why he yeah. teed out of the shark uh, So, So, so you're telling me, for people who don't know, your brother is? Oh, yeah, he's in the Beastie Boys. So, so they've never performed in Mongolia? <laughs> they have not, and I don't think he's ever played golf either. So that's a def- it was definitely a uh, departure in my family. So what was the course a, like? You know, a golf addict at age nine. What was the Mongolian course like? Oh, it's great. There's four courses there, actually. Um, one of them the has whole my country? favorite name golf course of all time, Genghis Khan Country Club. Oh, my God. <laughs> really, really wish they sold T-shirts. I would have bought a T-shirt from that. They, they don't have but golf the shirts four that courses that? are um, are really good. Mount Boggs is the main one. That's where the Mongolian National Open was held. But there was an initial golf course that opened, I want to say, in like 2002 or three. It doesn't exist anymore. But on this golf course, the caddies used to caddy on horseback. <laughs> you True find, story. You'd you hit it in the rough. The most... They would gallop over and put a red flag down by the ball. Yeah, so I, was, guess, I guess you have you to know, watch where uh, you're walking. It's caddying Mongolian south because pretty much every Mongolian knows how to ride a horse. And uh, ho- horse riding is like our, you know. Are driving in America. So wait, or, the caddy know, the caddy rides standards. a horse, and you got to walk behind it. Is that how yep. this works out? <laughs> you don't get it. The golfers don't get a that's, horse instead of a golf cart. Look, that I got to be honest. That's dangerous. Okay, I worked in politics in my prior life and was in a lot of parades. You don't want to follow the horses. That's like rule number one. <laughs> you got to be careful with that. Yeah, you always worry about like goose stuff on a golf course yeah. now you got to worry about horse stuff yeah apparently wow. sure so um all right so I, I was fascinated by so in in the summer months it's ideal temperature 70 degrees but then in the winter months it goes to like 40 below and you wrote an article that said all these people who are golfing outside go into screen golf for real oh i'm glad you brought that up yes i'd written a piece for golf magazine about this uh this tournament and a big discovery over there is yeah they're obsessed with this thing screen golf so this is uh people may have started hearing about this now it's huge it's huge in asia like everyone is obsessed with golf simulators in asia um it's also kind of big here but yeah, i mean we used to have them here I, I would Korea, go with my in china i would go with my in dad Mongolia, pretty much every single golfer started uh, learning how to play golf on this on these screen golf uh, simulators. <laughs> so I went to them, and they're pretty cool. If you make a hole in one in screen golf, you win a uh, ten kilo bag of rice. Very uh, very serious. And you go there, and it's just these like wonderful Mongolian juniors learning to play the game uh, in all of these uh, screen golf centers. So it's a real it's a real starter for golfers in Mongolia to learn the game. If you get if you make par, what do you get? You do not get any rice, unfortunately. Oh, you no. can buy some Arag if you want. Arag is like the, the delicacy I didn't know about until I got there. It is fermented horse milk 
and it's actually alcoholic. And in the summertime, that is like the treat of the uh, of the season. All right, so I got I got a suggestion for you. <laughs> you, you, you we we all know, unfortunately, Anthony Bourdain, and but he had yes. a show on on CNN. Why are you not doing a similar show of these <laughs> golf courses that you're going to around the world and the foods that you get to try and and kind of wrapping it all in one? I, well, I gotta, that would be fun. Your lips to God's ears. No, no. He, you know, Jeffrey, Jeff Jeffrey made some fun. I'm very happy with going and writing articles for different magazines, you know, and covering these worlds because they really are, they're like these bastions of golf in places you wouldn't expect. And you get there and within a week you've made 50 friends and all of them are playing Pro V1s and, you know, really upset because they, they've only dropped two shots off their handicap for the season. And, for me, I'm like 8,000 miles away, and I'm like, God, I know these people. These are like my friends back home. It's you, like, for me, golf is the passport to, to meet new people around the world. You say to God's ears, but I see Jeff's brain working here. He's thinking about a pitch for a show for you right now. Make so it happen, you Jeff. May get, you may get an email after this, after this I conversation. Think it, I think on. it would be a great idea. I would watch I mean, it. I mean, come on. The, the, the golf course that you told us about last time, which was the, the golf course, course in Australia, how long is that course again? Five days. Oh, yeah. that Every, every hole uh, green to is about a hundred miles in between. Oh my God! And they got to have some good food play. in between down there. So you had a chance. They didn't have any fermented horse milk there. I was very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have everything. No, you, you, yeah, you but, definitely. Can't. But you were recently in the same neck of the woods, and that you were in New Zealand for another project. Yeah, and obviously, what's what's just happened yesterday is very sad. Yeah, I was texting with all my New Zealand friends. It, for those who don't know, they had this big shooting at a mosque or two mosques, and it's tra- it's very tragic. Um, and I was just there two weeks ago, and on, I guess on a happier note or a lighter note or more upbeat note, I, I was there for 10 days and had pretty much one of the best trips of my life. And uh, they have some of the best golf courses over there. And uh, I played a, a course called Patapata Umu Beach. It is the home course of Steve Williams. Remember Steve Williams, Tiger's caddy? Yes. Former caddy? Uh-huh. Well, he grew up catting at Parapara Umu Beach, and it's in the uh, the south part of the North Island of New Zealand, and it is the St. Andrews of New Zealand. So it's pop bunkers and palm trees. Palm trees. Wow. And sun. When we, when so we, it's a little different than St. Andrews because it probably has more sun, well, right? When we finish this call, I may ask Jeff to say that golf course name three times fast. Don't, sure, don't yeah. I, yeah. I may have practiced like on YouTube watching videos five or six times before I got there. Now, you also mentioned... Um, before, Patapata Umu is how they do it. You also mentioned to me before we got on air that, that you played in another course called Rotorua Golf Course. Oh, yeah. That's cool. So Rotorua is the geothermal hotbed of New Zealand. It's similar. You know how in Iceland they have all these hot springs and yeah. there's all this geothermal activity? Same deal in Rotorua. So there's a golf course called Rotorua Golf Club and you're playing near like essentially active volcanoes and lava pits and boiling <laughs> what, mud pits. What could go wrong? And yeah. it is geothermal golf. And I went on and, you know, next thing I knew I'm playing with two farmers and we're having a ball and uh, you're hitting over these um, these lakes that steam is rising from because the lake is like actually hot all the time. So do you have to factor that into your shot? 
Yeah, you need, well, to, bring, you need mean, to bring you know, extra it, balls because you're not going on the water. level of uh, intimidation because you're like, if I'm, if I'm in a ball there, I'm not going in because I don't know what the hell is <laughs> in that water. You can't get one of those long poles that you get to scoop the wa- out of the water. You don't have one for like volcanoes and geysers. <laughs> it probably melts if you put it in the water. Yeah. All right, but, but it's uh, there's so many good courses there, and uh, there's a course I went to up in the very north. You may have just started hearing about this course. It's called uh, Taraiti. It's in Mangafai, so an hour and a half north of Auckland, and it was opened uh, just in 2015. Designer was Tom Doak, and it is like paradise on earth. If you guys want to see a beautiful golf course, just Google Taraiti, T-A-R-A-I-T-I. I was like, I think I'm in heaven right now. I just want to go. I don't want to Google it. I want to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff's going to try and get there. Yeah. So before we get to the Masters, and, and we got to ask you about Pratima again, I do want to ask sure. about, Jeff has complained to me about pace of play of every sport that there is, and golf is no exception. Um, can you talk a little bit about the rounds taking significantly more time? There's now new rules with yeah. pulling the pin. Um, yeah. How's that impacting the sport? board itself well look i mean i've always come from the pace of play issue of just looking how it's done over in scotland and i'm not exaggerating when i say when a, a scottish guy comes off the golf course sees his buddy and he says hey john how to go out there today the guy will literally say oh not bad three hours and 42 minutes like he'll say what the pace of play was before what he shot um, so if you, if you, there's a lot of clubs in Scotland, if you play in three and a half hours, that's like people will complain. That's <laughs> wow. slow over there. Yeah. Um, so I've always come at it from that, and I see rounds here that are five and a half, and you know, you what do you six think? hours in what do you some think? of the public courses in New York, I'm sure in Philly too, and and there's no reason to be playing that slow. It's just it's ridiculous, and you know, if I'm doing a even a five hour round, I'm just thinking of how much more fun it is when you're moving and it's three and a half. So, so what do you do? Yeah, I'm I'm a little frustrated with how slow it's gotten. So what do you, what do you do in that situation? I mean, you have like Brooks Kepka is the guy that people have been complaining of as of late. How do, how do you speed it up? I know there's already rules in place. Do you start penalizing the golfers? And what do you do if you're the caddy and golfer behind him? Yeah, I mean, well, they already do. There's, you know, they'll put golfers in the clock, and that's always annoying because then it messes up their rhythm. But, you know, to solve the problem of, like, the day-to-day rounds for us amateurs, you've got to solve it on tour because we're just copying what we see on TV, right? Right. Um, one, of the, one of the rules I would love to see altered, or not a rule but more like an etiquette thing, is second shots into par fives. Um, I would love it to just be completely fine to hit your shot into the green. Like if it rolls up on the green and golfers are there, it shouldn't be that big a deal. It's not going to kill anybody. It's when people are waiting from 280 out to hit their three wood that they maybe hit 280 once in their life uh, down downwind in a hurricane. Like that's just slowing everything up. You want me to start drafting up waivers for this idea? (laughs) The the attorney on the show comes out and makes an appearance over here. (laughs) But it's hard. I mean, you know, pace of play is, is, I used to play on a junior tour in Massachusetts called the New England Junior PGA Tour when I was 12. And everybody was just copying the pros and our rounds were like basically six hours. And it's, uh, it's, they just do it right in Scotland. Just everyone is very, uh, you know, everyone's just like aware of how long they're taking and everyone's very courteous and it just moves fast. And I think we have to get more into that, um, you know, into that mindset of like, let's not do a five and a half hour round. Let's, let's make this four. You know, the old course used to have every single ball, the driving range stamped with the number three, five, seven. 
because that was the amount of time they wanted you to take on the old course, three hours and 57 minutes. So a nice kind of big brother-ish uh, subtle reminder. So if I ever get over to St. Andrews, not only do I have to worry about how poorly I'm going to play, now, I, get, now, I, get, now <laughs> I have to worry about how quickly I got to do it. In. Oh, and God forbid you're off in the first group or second group of the day, 630 or 640. Those times set the whole pace for the entire golf course. So you yeah. are basically light speed running around the course. And if yeah, you play I'm, that first, the first game off at 630 in the summer and the old course goes off, in four hours 20 that ruins the day for the entire entire course what's the last tea time <laughs> depends you know uh, i'll take you get that daylight one. up until about 11 o'clock in midsummer in st andrews so i've gone off at 6 40 p.m and uh in a real round on the old course and i've finished but to be honest with you i have caddied two rounds before in st andrews and then jumped on the jubilee at 9 p.m by myself and i finished 18 holes wow all right, so so you you're not going to be going to the Masters through the Mongolian Open. We know that that didn't work. Did out, not qualify as, as you were hoping. Are you going to be down there? Are you caddying? Are you, are you do you I, I probably won't be down this year. I'll obviously be glued to it on TV. But I have a bunch of buddies who caddy at Augusta, and it's always fun to text them during the tournament and see what they're on. A couple of my friends are caddying in the um, in the women's amateur, which is going to be held on, uh, at Augusta for the first time the first ever. Time, yeah. I'm so psyched to watch that. I think that's April 6th that's on. Um, and then, of course, they have the, the children's, the juniors' drive chip and putt is coming up, I think, uh, the weekend after that. But it's fun. Like, last time I went down to watch the, the Masters, I stayed on my buddy's couch, who caddies down there, and he literally lives, like, 20 seconds outside the gate of the main entrance. And I was on his couch in, with an Augusta throw cover tucked over me, and it was just a shrine to Augusta in his entire apartment. So uh, that, was, that was a cool way of doing it up. Yeah, unlike the way I'm doing it, which is I, after 15 years, I got in through the lottery uh, for a practice round, and I'm staying in Athens, Georgia, about 90 miles away because sure. it's the closest place we I could get. We used to have to stay in Aiken, South Carolina, which is also beautiful, but it's a, it's a drive. Yeah, it's, it's a, a different hall. state, obviously. And I remember we stayed in a motel that was $300 a night. Uh, this is back in 03, and it was like potentially the most dangerous place I've ever stayed in my life. And we're driving back down towards the golf course. We pass a sign for our motel, uh, the normal price of twenty nine ninety nine a night. Oh my god! Yeah, the, 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 yeah. Price, the prices are just a, amazing. Yeah. All right. So, so my question is: is is we have? I, I was reading about uh, the Magnolia Hole, and that they've actually extended it fifty yards this year. Yeah. How do you think that's, that's the only extension I think this year for the course? Yeah. How do you think that's if if anything is is it going to change the the layout of the course or is how it's of the fifth go? hole? Yeah. Eh, not so much. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a huge a huge difference. These guys are bombing it so far now. What, I mean, what's the total length of that hole? Four fifty now. Um, I don't see that particularly altering anything. I mean, DJ is not going to have a problem. Uh, no, it's going up to 495 now. That hole, but you know what? Even with that, this is not this is not out of the ordinary for these guys. So, who, so who do you think it this course favorite in this year? Who's playing well enough that they should be the favorites? I mean, you're going to roll your eyes when I say this, um, but I I promise you, I had this name before uh, so far this week. But Tommy Fleetwood, I just feel like he is so close to making the next step and uh, and winning a major. He's He's like past due now, and he's clearly crushing it this week. I, I think I'm going to throw some money on uh, on Fleetwood. What kind of player does Augusta eat up in terms of their team? 
Well, you know, it was Me. interesting. I was reading a really other, good other Bamberger article recently, and he's saying that you have to draw the ball. If you only hit fades, that's tough. I mean, it didn't hurt Jack so much. He won it a couple times. Right. Um, but, you know, you have to be you just have to be an amazing putter. You have to be so good on the greens. And you just look at some of these people that have had success at Augusta putting, on those greens, they run. They won't tell you what they are in the stint meter, but they got to be like 13 or 14 minimum. Um, these are. These, this is a course that that really uh, it, you know, it it gives the it gives the great putters just a humongous advantage over the field. It's like a pool table. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pool so, table on its on its edge. Right. So um, before we let you go, I wanted to talk about the the way that I first learned about you, which was your interest in a golfer from Nepal. We talked to her a little bit about her last year, Pratima, who is – you have some updates for us. Yeah, some exciting updates. Mm-hmm. So to get the quick backstory is Pratima Sherpa, number one female golfer in Nepal. She's trying to become the first ever female golf pro in the history of the country. And she lives in a shed on the fourth hole of Royal Nepal Golf Club. So the shed is about 10 feet by whatever, 10 feet by 10 feet. And uh, she lives there with her parents, who um, you know, has been there her whole life. And so I met her a couple years ago, and we, uh, I wrote a Golf Digest piece about her, did some fundraising for her, um, talked about her on Golf Channel. And the really cool update is we have gotten her over to the U.S. She is now living in California for this year and next year. Um, and perhaps uh, after that, and she is attending the City College of Santa Barbara. Wow! So she is now a fully fledged American college student, and in just I believe it's two weeks from today, she is making her debut on the Symmetra Tour. How cool is that for you? Isn't that awesome? How exciting! You, you sound you sound like a proud pop. Yeah. How exciting is that for you as somebody who basically helped discover her? I think you even got a sports Emmy for the documentary that you did on ESPN for it, and now here it is, all those years later, she's sort of going to make her debut. It's, out it's just wonderful. I mean, she went to the Genesis Open a few weeks ago and uh, and met Tiger again, and he's been wonderful with her and uh, gave her a big hug. And um, it's 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 really cool to to see that you've made a little bit of a difference in someone's life and uh, the community that has rallied around I call them Team Pratima and it's now hundreds and hundreds strong of people who have donated their time or their money or opened their house to to Pratima the Montanos in in Ventura, California it's like this whole community is so behind Pratima it's so into it and she makes us proud every day. And in two weeks, she's going to be playing on the Symmetra Tour uh, for a sponsor's invite. And I will probably be the most nervous I've ever been in my life. What What's it been like for her? Not just, I mean, she's not just playing golf on a new level. She's, I don't think she had ever been to the United States before, right? Well, pretty much. I mean, she went. She came across to live with this wonderful family, the Montanos, in Ventura okay. uh, the summer before last. And then she was able to come back um, when the film got into Tribeca, the ESPN uh, feature called The Mountain Decline. Um, so she'd been over. She's now been over a few times. But, you know, the, she is now a college student. Like, she is playing on the golf team here. She is, um, you know, getting her driver's license soon. And in, in short, she's an American teenager. And she's getting to experience all of these cool things that she never 
was even close to dreaming about before. You know, it's just like her her life has really taken a, a really cool turn, and and it's uh, you know I'm the smallest part in it. There's people that have just done so much for her and donated so much money, and and it's really cool. And you know, we'll see we'll see what happens in two weeks, but it it, it doesn't really matter how she does. It's just gonna be a wonderful uh, wonderful learning experience for her. And it's on the uh, the 29th to 31st of March. And it's at Moringo Casino Resort and Spa in uh, in uh, California. So it's going to be super fun. Well, we look forward to following her and following more of you. Jeff may contact you after the show about that TV show with food. He's into <laughs> anything with food, so you, you got it. So, <laughs> Wait, we're talking about food, golf, It's a combination travel. of I mean, so many of your loves it, right there. If they throw in some music, you're done. <laughs> I, I think it's a slam dunk. Well, uh, Oliver, we can't thank you enough as always. I always enjoy talking to you, and uh, best of luck with everything as you go forward. Thanks, guys. Enjoy watching the players this weekend. Thanks. Have a great one. Jeff, you're like typing up ideas over there, aren't you? I just think it's a great idea for a show. I mean, I just not that I'm you, patting myself I on the back. I want to see you go and hit out of a shark, shark cage. <laughs> no, not happening. I want to see like those <laughs> things. You know, you want to see me embarrass myself on the court or throwing out the first pitch. I want to see you, you want to see me as potential food is what you're saying. Bait, yes. Yeah, so yes. thanks a lot. Uh, stick with us. We'll hit the break when we come back. We've got so much to talk about in the world of sports. We'll be right back. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.NewJerseyShares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the heart of sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the heart of sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. All right, Jeff, uh, explain to me uh, the NFL right now. What is going on? Uh, I don't remember an off season like this. All of a sudden, the NFL used to be like off limits to like big time blockbuster trades and, and signings, and because there was always a way to lock in your star players. That's not happened this year. Uh, this, more than any other year I can remember, there are a lot of big names going to different places through trades, through free agency. This is the most open period I've ever seen before the NFL draft. Lots of place, uh, faces in different places. Let's go through. Hey, that rhymed. Good job. I got you right there. Staying with the Eagles, Brandon Graham has a three-year $40 million extension. Jason Kelsey extended through 2021. Jason Peters reworks his deal $10 million with a $5 million guarantee. And Darby just signed while we're on the air. With the Eagles? Yes. Okay, so Darby stays. So he was talking to uh, Kansas City potentially. Sorry, Brett, he's not going your way. Ronald Darby will be back. And then Nate Sudfeld gets a second 
second round tender. He'll at least be in the battle for the backup next year. Anything right. surprise you about the staying? Why are you apologizing to Brett? Because Brett would want him in Kansas City. Because right. Brett wants anybody in Kansas Darby City. Darby just resigned with the Eagles for one year, $8.75 million. Okay, so of the staying, your thoughts? Anything concern you, surprise you? I was not surprised they kept Jason Peters. I still have slight concerns about his ability to hold up through the season, but I think he's just mentoring Vitae at this point. Yeah, for me, I would not have brought Jason Peters back. As good as he has been, I think that he's once the body starts to break down for NFL players, it continues to break down. It's not, especially as you get older, and he's at the point now where I don't see the upside anymore, and it's time for just Vitae to take over. I wouldn't have wasted the cap space on him. To me, the signings have been good. The biggest problem I see is still running back. Hold on. I'll get there. All Don't right. jump ahead. Well, Don't jump ahead. Coming. Deshaun yeah. Jackson coming from the Bucks. Malik Jackson coming uh, three years, $30 million deal. LJ Ford coming, Jackson's. coming from Pittsburgh. Yeah. He's a veteran linebacker. He'll play special teams. Nothing Man. very much. Right. Going. Nick Foles gone. Four years, $88 million to Jacksonville. Right. Happy for him, but they were not paying him that money. Mm-hmm. Michael Bennett to the Patriots. Jordan Matthews out with the Niners. Golden Tate to the Giants. I, somebody will have to explain to me what the heck the Giants it are doing. It ain't going to be me because I don't understand it. Landon Collins is in Washington now. Again, I don't Odell understand Odell Beckham it. is in Cleveland Again, right now. I don't understand I have it. no idea. But Golden Tate's there, so they're all good. No, I don't, I don't understand what the Giants are doing at all. I mean... They're building it, around Eli. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky we're on air that we can't say certain things. It, it just it doesn't make sense to sign Odell Beckham to that big contract and then trade him for a first and a third and Jabril Peppers. That doesn't make any sense. But to me, the bigger mistake they made is last year they were offered a first-round pick for Landon Collins. They said no, and it wasn't like because they were making a playoff And they cut him. And then they cut him and get nothing, and then he goes to their rival, Washington, and they'll play him two times a year. Washington's going to have the Giants starting backfield. (laughs) Dominique rogers is coming out of retirement to play in Washington with Landon Collins. Yeah. Good good on you, Redskins fans. I mean, the one thing I'll say about the Giants is their offensive line has gotten better and they have possibly the best running back in the league now in Saquon Broccoli. Yeah, but there's nobody else with him and you're going to waste his prime years without any other weapons around Well, that's him. the problem. That's why you don't take a running back unless that's all you need. Uh, it's just insane what they're doing. Jordan Hicks signs with the Cardinals, so clearly linebacker depth. If you're, look, if you're looking at the two positions that the mm-hmm. Eagles are in need for, it's linebacker and it's running back. He started to talk about the running back. Uh, Jay Ajayi is talking to the Colts. He likely won't be back. Right. Steph Wisniewski is gone as well. He wasn't playing running back, though. No, he's not. Howie Roseman's done some restructuring there's some money, but clearly they need still a running back, uh, a linebacker. There were some moves with signings already. Some players you wanted, Mark Ingram, you were looking at. Not going to happen. That was the Tevin one. Tevin Coleman. Well, I, I, didn't really want Te- I didn't want Tevin Coleman, but Mark Ingram seemed to be the perfect back for this system. Uh, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a guy who can run side to side, and he can go up the middle. He can play big back. He fit the Jay Ajay mold that they wanted last year, and I, but I think he would have been better at it. Uh, he's clearly had more success when he was with the Saints, and he had the two-back system, so he doesn't need the ball all the time. He, he had the ego in check kind of thing. It would have been perfect to have him in this offense. Does Duke Johnson do anything for you out of Cleveland? Uh, they have Kareem yeah, Hunt now. it makes me roll my eyes. E- even though Kareem Hunt is now suspended eight games. Yeah. Do you want to get into that as well, Jeff? I don't think it's enough, but that's just me. Were you surprised 
that the NFL Nothing's... continues to have no consistent policy on how they handle these situations. I, I, I it's don't... like they, they they throw up a dartboard in the NFL offices and they say, you know, you what do we what? got today? Here's and, what... and there's no consistency in anything that they choose there. Get... I don't know if you can have consistency. I mean, that I don't blame them for. I don't think you can have a hard and fast rule because every situation is different. What I do not understand is that the clock shouldn't start ticking on what they decide to do until they actually sit down with the guy and and talk to him and to the public because this is a this is a public issue. And what I would like to see is acts of contrition before I see acts of let's get back on the football field. And I haven't seen any yet. I haven't heard Kareem Hunt. I've seen some of the interviews he did at the end of last season. I didn't see a guy who's going and getting treatment. I didn't see a guy who was really contrite about what he did. And so I don't understand why he now gets to come back into the league. And for anybody who's sitting there saying, well, he has a right. No, he doesn't. This is a private company, set of private companies. They don't have to hire you. What do you say to people who say he doesn't have a right, but he deserves a second chance? I often say you have to earn that before you just deserve you it. You just took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. You, you have to earn a second chance, which is exactly why I'm saying I want to see But the NFL doesn't treat it that way. The way you earn a second chance is your ability to play. Right. Like, that's how you earn a second. And, and look, they're a business. They're a bottom line. But at the same time, they need to sell tickets to a fan base who a majority of them are women and people who don't support beating up women. Tell me what the difference is between Ray Rice and Kareem Hunt. Nothing. Yeah, No, there was a difference. Kareem Hump was a better running back at the time that this happened, so he's getting a chance in the league. Right. Ray Rice didn't get a chance in the league because he was considered washed up at that point. Is that's the, NFL, the only difference, the and that's it. there's a hypocrisy right? to that. Is the NFL ever going to get this right? Not as no. long as they're making the decision. No, but right. I will tell you one thing. It seems to me, as somebody who grew up with the bad boy Raiders, uh, not liking them, hating them, but there was the bad boy Raiders of the, you know, the 80s, you now have the Browns team that's going to have Kareem Hunt on it. And I'm not saying bad as far as all criminals kind of thing, but the guys that to dislike, you got Beckham on that team, who's a big baby. You got Baker Mayfield on that team, who is a very polarizing guy. And now you got Kareem Hunt on that team. That offense is just made of polarizing figures. And when they go into Pittsburgh and Cincinnati and Baltimore, man, are they going to hear it. Are they the best team in that division now? Well, no. Cause first of all, because Kareem Hunt's not playing the first half of the season. So you don't know what the offense is going to be like and whether he'll be back in shape and game shape at the time of the I think the there's a lot of, the of weapons there with Jarvis Landry with Olivier yeah. Vernon that they sign. Yeah, but you're also you're also going to have there are if you put the pieces together as far as statistics, it might work. There's a lot of personalities, big personalities there. And by the way, nothing against Cleveland, but I don't think Odell Beckham's excited to go to Cleveland. He was trying to work his way to San Francisco or L.A. So you don't think they're going to run out of letters like they did with the Bryce Harper jersey here? <laughs> That's not going to happen. The Jets are also having a really good offseason. Le'Veon Bell, C.J. Mosley. Anything else stick out to you? What's going on? Uh, Kansas City trades D. Ford to the Niners. Yeah, I think... I think that what sticks out to me is John Cruden is going to have the last laugh. Last year when he traded Mac, everybody said, what is he doing? He's got a stack of draft picks now. He's now got himself Antonio So you're Brown. a believer now. No, I'm not. Because uh, 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 you, you slammed him at the time, too, like everybody yeah. else. And, and I'll be one of those people to say that 
look, I didn't see what he was doing. I think he lucked into it, by the way. It's not like he knew that Antonio Brown was going to be available I, I like, for a song. I like Mike Mayock, too. I think he's a stabilizing yeah. voice in that. You know, But, but we'll, let me ask you, what is the difference between Antonio Brown and Beckham that the Steelers got virtually nothing leverage nothing it's leverage it it was that the Steelers had no leverage because that relationship was so damaged Beckham could have come back to the Giants he could have played there it may not have gone well I don't think he could have I just don't think I to give him credit he didn't act the way Antonio Brown did no and that's it's the perception that devalued his actual value in the mind of Pittsburgh Uh not for himself he got a raise and a long-term extension and he's out where he wants to be with the Raiders now and by the way again I don't know what the Steelers are doing either because the Steelers now have gotten rid of Le'Veon Bell they've gotten rid of Antonio Brown and they want to here's the part I don't understand why do they want to sign Ben Roethlisberger to a long-term deal uh, they're talking to the Giants. It's Eli Manning and Ben Roethlisberger trying to replay that uh, the good old days there. Any other moves in the NFL surprise you yet so far? The Dolphins have no quarterbacks now. Sorry, they have Brock Osweiler at quarterback after trading Ryan. Well, Tannehill. here's here's one that just kind of makes me scratch my head, which was today's move of Ryan Tannehill to the Titans. Yes. I, I get why I'm the Dolphins and want to get rid of Tannehill. What do the Titans want with them? Backup Are they quarterback for Marcus Mariota who got injured? You need to have a capable backup there. I was surprised they didn't go after Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm not quite sure. I'm not so sure he's a he's a capable backup. Uh, that's the the thought process yeah. there. Denver trades Case Keenum to the Redskins. Mm-hmm. Lots of movement. I think the NFC East has gotten weaker. Your thoughts? I agree. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I, but I think that's good for the Eagles. It's definitely good for the Eagles. I don't think. What have the Cowboys done? This I don't completely season? understand what the Eagles are doing so far. Um, they need to come through in a draft like they haven't in the past couple of years. They've got some offensive line issues. They also have to get some finality on the Chris Long situation because Chris Long is kind of been back and forth does he want to come back does he well, not he want decided to, come back? to extend the deadline right. on his but, payment and took a reduced salary so they could save some money on the cap yeah for but this that year. doesn't mean he's made a decision no it's so fact, that's what in i'm fact, saying somebody tweeted i guess that it's settled and chris long's response was it means nothing like that at right. all so yeah. you know we'll we'll see what comes out of that uh Jeff, let's leave football there for a second. This is one of my most favorite times of the year because of all the sports going on, but because of college football and March or college basketball and March Madness. <laughs> we got Lennox on the other side of the glass ready to do the Villanova game at six thirty here on the station in that yeah. tournament championship. Well, week. I, bet, I bet. How often have I said to the Villanova fans? Relax. It'll be okay. At the end of the season, they're going to be in contention. This they're is going to win soothing, the big, Jeff. The, the, this is, they're going to win the this Big East tournament. This is not East get tournament. off my lawn, Jeff. Nope. This is take your time. It's this going to be is, okay. They're going to win the Big East tournament. They're going to be a four or five seed in the NCAA tournament. They're not winning the national championship this year, but that Sweet 16 is a possibility. Okay, and so I, that's where you're at. Yeah, How about the other city teams? Temple seems like it's going to be in the tournament. Yeah, but they're not going very far. Fran Dunphy's they, last season. I mean, season. it'll be a feel-good story because Fran, Fran Dunphy's in his last season. I, I, quite frankly, I think Fran should have stayed at Penn. I think that his career would have been even better than it was. Have you been watching the championship week tournament? I know you'll be staying up tonight. We'll get to the Sixers in a second. Big but after 10? that, you've got the Big Ten tourney. Yeah. Michigan's going to play. Are they going to let you down? 
Not tonight. No. <laughs> Not tonight. Not tonight. <laughs> that that hints at another day this weekend it could happen. They, they, they have a great starting five. They just don't have a deep bench. And okay. I worry about that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anything else you're watching for right now? Mount uh, St. Mary's knocked off Gonzaga. Uh, all of a sudden now they're in the, the tournament and have a spot. Woohoo. Uh, look, yeah. but that knocks out a team that's on the bubble. Right. Who wasn't going to be in mm-hmm. it. Uh, do you watch? I don't worry about the team, the 67th and 60th. Do you watch these championship week games, or do you wait till the tournament? I, other I, do, than I don't watch the Sun Coast whatever. Did tournament. you used to? No. Okay, so there was no. never a time that you did, and you just because I used to watch. No. You know, if it was like anything, if There's it was only the, so many hours in a day in, in the preseason, I would watch the Maui Invitational from Hawaii at two o'clock in the morning. Well, I'd so. watch that, but that was usually because there were te- there were good teams in those tournaments. Yes. There still are. Do you watch the selection show, or do you just check the no. bracket afterwards? I don't watch the selection, especially the last two. No, years. No, they went they back to the, but they went back to the right way to do it, where they're going to list them not in alphabetical order. They're going to change the way they do it this no, year. The right Right way to do it is just announce all the teams. Just push it all out. Just so push it all out at yeah. once. Uh-huh. It leaks anyway. I just, I just want to see the bracket. Okay. I, don't, I don't need to hear all the analysis. How many brackets do you fill out? Usually Are, two. Two. Because yeah. you're in two different pools or you're hedging no, well, your bets? No, uh, assuming, <laughs> assuming I'm only doing one pool. Okay. I, I, I will often do more than one pool. Then I'm doing in my main pool, I'm doing two. And the one is... My heart, Michigan as the national champion, which doesn't happen often except for 89. And then I do the one I believe in. Brad, how many rackets do you fill out? None. He can't because he's not on social media, so he probably can't enter into them. Yes, you won't be able nah, to follow anything. Lennox yeah. fills out a lot over there, too. To Brett Lennox fills yeah, out he too. seems like he's got no sheets of integrity. I, I'm guessing he's just got he fills out as many as he can. He fills out two brackets. He says, "If you believe that, I've got a bridge to yeah. sell you somewhere uh-huh. in another part of town." Yeah, uh, I just do one. I used to do like every tournament that there was and fill it out. That was back in the days when I gambled when it wasn't able to do yeah. that. Uh, now I just pick my one and I'm perfectly happy with that. Uh, I feel like I knew so much more back in the day when I was watching all the time, but uh, I enjoy this time of year. Um, I used to say that Thursday and Friday of March Madness were a holiday for me because I didn't go to classes. My parents' response was, how is that different? You don't go to classes when it's not March Madness, which was a good point. And given that they were paying, I let them go with that. But I did treat March Madness as I would skip all classes. So it didn't, like, guilt you enough into saying, hey, you know what? Maybe I should go to classes. So not that my parents want to hear this, but none of the guilt that they gave me made me want to go to classes. It didn't really work out. um, unfortunately, it wasn't until I what a role model. It, it you wasn't are. until I took a semester off and was paying for school myself that yeah. I was more interested in going there to classes go. at that point. Anyway, I'll, I'll give you the field if I can have Duke. We okay. Yeah. Okay. So here, did you watch last night's game with Zion? Yeah. If he's if he gets you mean in the game foul, where he didn't miss anything. If he gets in foul trouble and isn't yeah. on the court, they have no shot. Yes, they do. They don't play as a team when he's not they'll, on the court. They'll be fine. And, and you're saying if he's in foul trouble. Well, he, look, if. if you get a ref that, play, that calls his physical game, yeah. he will but get in foul trouble in the tournament. Are not, they are not going to do that in the tournament. He was dominant last night. He, what was he, 13 for 13 yeah, or something? He, they, they, are not, they are not going to lose. The fact that he is playing, he is going to play with a purpose. Is this what it would have looked like if LeBron James went to college? 
just somebody who's so far developed and athletic. Nobody would have wanted to play else. with him. No. But nobody wants to play against <laughs> Zion. It's the same type thing. No, nobody would want to play with, with him. With him. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, he would trade them all away. Yes. So let's talk a little. He would alienate them all. Let's talk a little Sixers. We've had a fun Sixers week. Monday night, we were at the Sixers Youth Foundation Gala. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff, you got to talk to Dr. J a little bit. We got to talk to TJ and JJ and Tobias and Brett, Brett Brown, Brown and, and, and Elton, Elton Brand and so, the owners. So let's talk that for, for one second because yeah. it's really cool what they do. Um, it, it was cool that we were there to talk to them and see all the team were there. A lot of the management and organization were there. Alumni were back. Wyclef Jean was there. Uh, people bid on the ringing the bell and sitting courtside. Mm-hmm. They raised over a million dollars that will directly benefit the community here in the area. Sort of what we talk about. By the way, you won something. I won something? Yes, you did. What did I win? You get to meet Cody tomorrow night. That was a... Did you bid for me? Yes. You just love that horse. <laughs> you really... I got concerns when we get off this show. Anyway, um, so uh, you didn't bid on the bell for me. No. Uh, you're going to get that next time. I thought that would have been good advertising for the show. No. I don't see why $12,000 wasn't in your budget, Sorry. but we'll work on that next year. Yeah. They raised a million dollars, though. Your thoughts being down there and how into it the organization was. And I just thought did. it was a great event. I, I think that all the teams in the city do a great job, but the Sixers in particular, and the, and the Phillies as well. <laughs> do a great job within the community not just for these big events but year-round um, and this event raising over a million bucks in a night having all the players there having the ownership all involved in it having alumni from the team come back like dr j coming back it was just it was a great event to be part of to be there for and to see what was going on and if you missed any of the coverage you can catch our regiment show from last night on our website theheartofsports.org you can hear all those interviews you can hear our breakdown you can hear what's going on with the g league team we'll be there in delaware tomorrow night at the field house jeff we're going to get some interviews before the game that we'll have for future weeks yeah we're hoping to get a, an interview with uh to talk with uh, zaire smith tomorrow and i think that'll be fun to be to talk to him and learn a little bit about him that should be a good time we'll have that on next week's regiment show uh you were down at practice yesterday it looks like the Sixers are going to have their full squad back together for the first time in a while. So I got a quiz question for you. So I think I saw the answer to this, oh. and I'm going to guess on the air. But I, I didn't like. Well, look can it I up. ask the question you can. so people know what I'm asking? You can, because otherwise you're just doing crest. No, go ahead. Um, how many minutes has the starting five that you would expect in the playoffs? How many minutes have they played together so far? Is it like 80 minutes or something? 83 minutes. Yeah, I I had seen some crazy stat like that. So one of the things when I was was down there yesterday was was I wanted to know whether or not these – these players have played enough together to and they're not satisfied yet which is nice to hear that these guys are continuing to work together that they're going to be using their road games as a chance to continue to bond and watching them work yesterday as as, as a team i think it's going to get better and better the problem is is that this has been a, an annual concern is 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 turnovers and i asked brett brown about it at practice if everybody stays healthy and they continue to work together, you think that'll cut down on turnovers as well? Uh, somebody sent me a, a text because this is obviously a hot topic. Not too many people talk about where we rank and assist, but the turnovers is, is at times haunting. Somebody sent me a text saying that if Joe or Dan had one less turnover game, we'd be seventh. You know, and it's it's. I dig into like why, because there are you know unforced turnovers, turnovers. There are things that are on me. There are things that are on the players. Um, 
you know, I think that people that have played the game and coached the game understand that being first is not what I strive for. And, you know, somewhere better than we are is what I strive for. And structurally, you can go to our structure and say, these areas produce the most turnovers from a structure point. And then you can go to, like, specific players and say, who are the main culprits and where do they produce the most turnovers and, and study? And then, then I get a coach set. And so I think somewhere in the middle of everything I just said, I hope to, to do that. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, everybody. All right, Jeff, you were there to see his answer. How did you take that, and what are your thoughts on it? It, it was a non-answer answer. Um, and there was an article about this. Keith Pompey had an article out. Yeah, the he day wrote before. a great article about it the day before. And, and I think it is a concern. I think we have to find a, a way to cut down on the turnovers. And one, I think familiarity is one of those ways that would cut down on turnovers because these guys haven't played together a lot. But second, uh, I'm still going to beat this drum, which is, and no, we didn't win that either, um, is that you— Did you even bid, Jeff? No, I didn't. <laughs> uh, just so people understand, they bang a drum at the at the Bluecoats games, just like they do the Bills. Jeff the didn't bid on that yes. for me either. But, but not getting sidetracked. Back to the point you is— You never get sidetracked. —is that I think Ben is better as the four. I just think that it moves things around. I know people disagree with me. I just think... Did you have any arguments with some reporters at practice about that yesterday? Yeah. Uh, well, I think it, people are split on it. I mean, people want to see Ben succeed. He's he's likable. He's the kind of guy you want to they succeed. They want to see him succeed as a player or succeed as a point guard? Succeed maybe, as a point guard. Because maybe the best way to him succeed is not to be the point guard. I think until he develops that shot better, and he's improving on it, but I think until he develops that shot to the point that people fear it, that he is better inside. He's got so much athleticism. He's got height. He's got the ability to move without the ball. Having him bring it up, exhaust himself while bringing it up, and then make a lot of turnovers, you know, making the no-look passes. He's always trying to do something special, and sometimes it's better to just do the blah thing. It, uh, you don't always have to have the wow factor, and he's got the wow factor even if he doesn't try so much to do it. Well, you'll be down there to see it tonight. They play the Kings. The last time they played Sacramento was in February before the Tobias Harris trade. Yeah, look out for Buddy Heald again. He went off with 34 points with 7 for 12 from three-point land. What are you expecting to see down there tonight with the team hopefully all back on the court? I think you're going to see a win tonight. I think that with Tobias here and Boban here, I think that this is a different team than the last time they played. The last time they played was February 2nd, and it was in Sacramento. So back then they had Landry Shamit. They had, you know, um, Mike Muscala, I believe, started that night. Wow. So just by him not being on the team, I'm already expecting better. But somebody's got to guard Buddy Heald. Now, last time, it was Ben and Jimmy who were doing that. They're both here again. Mike Muscala or Wilson Chandler who started that night? I believe it was Muscala, but I could be wrong. I didn't remember him being on the team this year. So (laughs) you tried to wipe that from your memory? (laughs) Like Men at Black, you want me to hold up that little Ben and wipe your memory? Yeah, right. I forget it. It should be loud down there tonight. The Sixers are... Is it ever not? ...a game out of third place, despite the fact that they beat Indiana the other night. Really need to keep winning. Do not want to have that four seed at all by the by the way i don't know if you heard this clay thompson the other night after they lost the game blamed the fans and said that there wasn't enough energy i did see that in the building that do you think that would ever happen in philadelphia 
that there's not enough energy. You're the in that one building. that tells me that fans don't matter when it comes to that. No, that but the players you, are supposed to motivate themselves. And I agree. And this, I've been snubbed and nobody likes me stuff. It's not supposed to bother them. That's what I hear all the time. It shouldn't. But my my but point. Apparently, it, it does because I hear about it all the time when they're cranky. Well, fans no, about it, it. it. Well, it's it's them looking for an excuse for the fact that they didn't play well. But you can't blame the fans. But my point is is. Sixers fans are always loud. Sometimes it's not always good, but for the most part, they are very loud, and I can't see any player in Philadelphia saying, well, we lost the game because there was no energy in that building. Jeff, we've got three and a half minutes left. We're going to talk Flyers, Union, or Phillies. Take your pick. Uh, why don't we talk rules? Rules. Cause the, the, Give me rules, Jeff. So M- MLB and MLB. PA are about to announce apparently a new set of rules which will include increasing the rosters from 25 to 26 limiting the number That's of pitchers next season. next season but here's the big one next season three batter minimum unless it's the end of an inning yes you like this yeah. I love that idea uh, I know some people don't but as far as I'm concerned, if, if you're in there, I do not want to see the manager coming out every five minutes. It, it extends the game, I, and it's overthinking the game and making the manager too big, I, too big a part of the game. My favorite quote, I forget which manager saw it, said that rules should not dictate strategy in a game. I'm sorry, isn't that what all rules do? Don't all rules help you set the strategy for how to succeed in the game? That's the most asinine comment I've read about the whole thing. I couldn't believe it. It was crazy. I, I just, I don't understand. Oh, what what can I tell you? I, I think we need more rules to deal with all of these ridiculous strategies. I mean, look, we were down in spring training, and what was the first thing we saw? Bryce, no, Bryce Harper. They were playing four outfielders. Oh, you and, hated come that. Come on, guys. Can we just go back to playing on our positions? Harper's that we never when seen we that little? before, he said. Yeah, well, he apparently he saw he's more see of it, it down lot. there. Yeah, that was your concern all, all along about the shift and how that would be played. Yeah. Now again, if he knocks the ball out of the ballpark, it won't really matter that, where it, they. Yeah, shift as it. long as they have to keep looking up, we'll be fine. 2019 changes. Uh, trade deadline remains July 21st. Trade I think waivers that's great eliminated. For so you won't see the trades after the waivers. If yes. somebody clears waivers, they can be picked up, but there won't be a trade after the fact. I love that idea. Maximum number of mound visits reduced from six to five. You don't love that idea quite it's as much? It's not enough. Your silence it's speaks. It's not enough. Inning breaks reduced to two minutes across the board. That doesn't mean Does that do it for you? What was it, 210 before? Uh, depends. Lo- apparently, actually, local games were like 205. National right. games were 225. It will now be two minutes across the board. And apparently the commissioner has the right to examine going to a minute 50 in between. <laughs> the right to Jeff's examine. Gonna, Jeff's just going to sit there with a stopwatch watching <laughs> the game from now on. All-star game changes. That's what I don't want. I think that detracts from the game is if you're watching the clock all the time. And I think if they're going to do the pitch clock, they have to make it less pronounced than they have it now. Because uh, everybody's looking at the pitch clock. All-star game changes. There's now going to be an election day for fans to all vote. How about the home run derby beating uh, something? Home run derby. The winner will get a million dollars. The overall prize is up to $2.5 million. That's a nice little bonus, huh? Okay, so it's a nice bonus. But how are you going to feel if Reed Hoskins or Bryce Harper are playing and try and chase a million dollars? Bryce just got a $330 million contract, got hit in the leg in spring training. Right. And he's going to go out there pitting home run derby for a million dollars. You're going to be cool with that as a fan? Uh, did you see Bryce Harper in the home run derby last year? You're going to be cool with that as a fan. Did you see him last he year? He wasn't on your team last year. He was so, on a different team. So what's it going to do? You, you're you cool with that. With what, him what do you think? So, nobody gets injured in the home run derby. Okay, that will be your last word for the show then. Is that where you're going <laughs> to leave it? <laughs> 
<laughs> Jeff's last word for the week. Nobody gets injured in the All-Star game. Thanks, Frank everybody. Derby. Thanks, everybody, for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week.